Christmas is just around the corner and it's basically my favorite time of year. I've made a Christmas EP, which I think you'll love. Link is in the show notes. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Lucy Kruger is a musician from Cape Town, South Africa, who now lives in Berlin. Her solo performance focuses on the bare bones of the songs, a slow-burning, psychedelic folk that is both intimate and ambient. In September 2019, she signed with independent German label Unique Records and Schubert Publishing to release her second full-length album, Sleeping Tapes for Some Girls, a follow-up to her debut release, Summer's Not That Simple. Now there's a quote here, it says though the album is called Sleeping Tapes for Some Girls, the music feels like lullabies for Nick Drake, as Lucy treads the same deep waters as a singer from the late 60s and early 70s, utilizing her voice and guitar to delicate effect, where the volume is performed in a soft, tactile caress of fingers on skin or fretboard. Magnificent. Absolutely magnificent, and it's similar to what I know of the way Lucy performs. Now, Lucy and I met in a coffee shop in Joburg. She was late. That's normally me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's late? And we had been, we'd never met before. And we'd been asked to do a collaboration for a music festival in Cape Town. I was a bit nervous. This young folk singer from Cape Town. I'm nervous all the time, I suppose. And she arrived, and it was on my part, certainly, love at first sight. I don't know if I've ever loved anyone so quickly. <laughs> as I loved her and had still do. So we have her here with us today to chat a little bit about her journey and music and her whys and maybe to inspire somebody else who's doing it. Hello. You have such a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. This is going to be such a magical podcast you're doing. Oh, I Gosh. <laughs> I'm going to fangirl throughout this episode. I'll just keep that little clip out of you reading my bio and just send that as my bio from now on. I mean, that's actually a great idea to do a little voice note that you WhatsApp people. Yeah, a little. Hi. Oh, I have missed your face. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, likewise. So now we're speaking to you from Berlin. Yes. I want to know, why do you make music, Lou? I mean, it's such a massive question. It's so, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's sort of like saying why love, you know. You can sort of reflect on it and you can try and form an answer, but... I mean, the love grows from before you can understand why it is. And then I think at different points in your life, it offers completely different things. There's sort of moments in my mind that I've made my small history of music, but I think a lot of them that they've also just come through, I focused on them at some point and through retelling, um, I've kind of cemented them into my story, but actually it could just as well be any other moment of any other day where you hear a song or hum something or listen to something. But I guess the overarching thing for me is something about connection. So from when I was 
really young, I think that means something quite different. But I guess in my in my house, there was uh, always music in the house, in the car, in the kitchen. And it becomes something that you associate with togetherness. There's a kind of something in the air that is holding everyone together and bonding, stringing your memories together. That I guess was maybe the first feeling that I had for it. And then I guess when you become a teenager, it can be the complete opposite, something that you can experience so completely alone and isolated, but that still allows for some kind of intense intimacy with something, with the world, even though it is really something that is um, you're experiencing completely alone. It doesn't feel like that. And that's just, uh, I'm not sure how that even works, but there's an um, inability for music to connect you even in that moment of complete isolation. I, th- so I think it does it on a, on a sort of emotional level, but then, and then on a more um, obvious way, it's a very connecting thing in the sense of you make music with other people, you come together in a room to make, um, you go to a show to listen, you go to a party to dance, you, you know. Mm. It's a little bit like talking about why you like water or why you like, you know what I mean? It's, not, like it's kind of absurd to, yeah, a little bit, you know. It's so, it's so embedded and interwoven in everything. It is just a different expression of that thing that we don't know how to talk about called life or something, you know, so... I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love that togetherness and those associations of togetherness, music, stringing those memories together. That was so beautifully put, Lou. What made you start it? Where did it all begin? So you had a family who loves to listen to music. How did you start yourself? I really always loved singing. I've said this a number of times, but I don't think I was very good at it. I just, um, I just really, really love to do it. I love the physical feeling of it. I, I can't even say why exactly. And so I just did it a lot. I performed a lot at school and just very kind of casually. And then my sister-in-law, who wasn't my sister-in-law at that point, she was my brother's girlfriend. She started playing guitar when she was about 16. She started writing her own songs. And I think I could see something in the way that she sang them or she was so in her own space, in her own world, but I also felt a closeness to her in that moment as if something's revealed that I hadn't maybe seen of her or, and I wanted to be able to do that. Yeah, I could feel that it would be something amazing to do, I think. And so I started to learn to play guitar so that I could write my own songs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the way that we brought up or if it's just human nature or if my specific nature, or I think it's a combination of these things, but there's so often in my life these moments of deep feeling you know, sometimes I'm walking and I would really much rather be sprinting or I'm talking casually and I want to scream, you know. Yeah. And I don't really know how to do it. I never do it. I don't really, I'm very well behaved in a sense, mm-hmm. you know. And somehow songwriting and music is the one place where people allow you to get a bit weird, <laughs> which just means find a way to express something, you know. Yeah. When I say people allow you, of course, you can do whatever you want in a, in a sense, but it's also not true. And I can't, for whatever reason, it's not so easy for me. But somehow in that space, it's possible, you know. I discovered that and then I guess that's also what keeps me there. It's exactly that. It's exactly that when you stand on stage and you are at one, connected to the source in that moment yeah. and there's pure truth. There's no insecurity. I mean, when you're in the flow at least. There are moments of that, but there's also many moments where it's not that. But even just the, the, the chance to be really trying to find it yeah. is still something, you know. 
and the chance to be vulnerable and not so much, yeah, and there's so many, that means so many things, I guess, but even just the risk of offering something, a kind of abstract, is, gives it everything a lot of meaning, I suppose. I once heard this quote about how it's the artist's responsibility to lead the way. And I guess what an artist does is they experiment and they make things and feelings, I suppose, acceptable. And then from that, it became, becomes more mainstream, I guess, or allowed, mm. as you say. But I understand that nice, good, polite girl, you know, mm. well-behaved. So we're going to take a little step back into the physical for a moment and look at your career. <laughs> a five... <laughs> Sorry, it's terrible that I laugh when you say career, like, ha, 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 career and music. But I shouldn't do that. No, no, as you laugh about it, I hear my father's voice in my head telling me that it's a hobby, you know? Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will come at another point in the conversation, I'm sure. Um, okay, so five highlights. It doesn't have to be five. It can be three. It can be ten. Okay. But highlights of your career that would give context to listeners who aren't familiar with your music. Maybe I'll just mention, a, I think, a few points where I felt something shift a little or cement or fall into place. And I guess, I mean, the more obvious starting point of what one can call a career was when I finished studying. After school, I went to study drama at Rhodes University. And then I came to Cape Town and I made a record with Skulky Band and some really wonderful studio musicians in Cape Town. And that, I had no idea what I was doing. And um, that was obviously an enormous learning curve. And then once it was done, I also had no idea what to do. And then actually, uh, so I'm going to say as my, my first point was meeting you. And I forgot that it was because we had to do this collaboration, actually. I, I mean, that was so inconsequential in the end that you know, of course, it wasn't in the sense that it got us together. But I mean, you say you're nervous. I was terrified. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. And you were so open and so generous for sharing and no pretense, you know, there's just so much integrity in terms of just wanting to do the thing and, and being honest about the way that you were trying to do it and what was, you know, what you felt was possible. You just said, come on tour with me, which is so incredibly, yeah, generous and open. And I did. And I've always known that there's magic in music, but that really sort of confirmed my belief somehow, you know, and um, set such a beautiful precedent for integrity and intention, I think. And all the stuff that surrounds what should surround your life yeah. and the thing that you're doing. You know, we were really adventuring. <laughs> and I think just really beautiful to be watching each other you know, playing, and then to be watched in this really supportive way when you can sort of look at yourself through the other person and just really look at the other person. There was so much growth in a way that you could almost watch it happening, you know, yeah. like you give the plant water and you see it unfold or something. And also, of course, in the beginning of anything, if you're there and you're open and there's little expectation, there's so much room for magic, you know, but, um... that would definitely be one. And then I suppose having the courage to try and form my own band and eventually record an album. And then I remember when I wanted to launch it, I really wanted to do something special, but I've always been a bit anxious to do something that read as maybe beyond me, as if I was trying to be too big for my boots or something. 
anyway, I tried really hard to let go of that. I, I wanted to do something special. And I also went to this point where I thought, I want to work with people that I really admire. And I approached Inca and Simone to do the visuals. And we, we did the launch in Rudablum Studios. And it cost more money than I would have, you know, should have been spending just on the space. Inca and Simone came and they did this beautiful light installation. And I was so nervous. I thought, well, who do I think I am? You know, <laughs> Everyone sat on the floor and it was so quiet. And I was terrified almost the whole way through, but it felt so incredible to care that much and to say, well, I do care this much and I, I do value it this much. And I'm saying it and I'm holding the space as terrified as I am and to feel, wow, people are really here with me. And and I guess because the way that the lighting was set up and the space was set up, it was really, I don't know, same thing, like the confirmation of the magic, you know. <laughs> I was brave enough just to care, I guess, and then to feel that it was worth it for some people and for me and for my bands, my bandmates and for Sebastian who was doing sound for us and for Inca and Simone who were doing the lights and that we were building something and everyone, myself, the band, the people involved in the production and, and the audience with the night belonged to all of us and it felt... That felt really good. That was really a meaningful moment for me. And then I guess when Andre, Andre, Leo and I, who uh, we started, he was in The Lost Boys and then we started um, a band together, a two-piece called Medicine Boy. And I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. The first show that we played was quite soon after we had become a band. And we were both completely terrified. And same thing, I remember being on stage feeling, I don't really know if this is any good or what this is. or, But again, to to be really afraid of something and then to do it, it's such a life-giving thing to do, you know, to risk failure, I guess, and to, to be there, to really be there. And I think, again, I, for me, that was another moment of also, because I could feel something a bit different happening when I was on stage, you know, small things, but small, like where you, where you can feel, again, like almost like you can feel the growth, you know. Yeah, I guess that was a very good, important moment for me in feeling like it was okay to change and to take risks and there would be reward in it. It's just very encouraging. Of course, one needs constant reminding about that. But I mean, I think I had a similar situation in Berlin when I moved here and then I was releasing sleeping tapes and I had to book my album launch. And, you know, it's so, I'm starting again here and it's nerve wracking and it's a whole different thing. And same thing with booking the album launch here in Berlin. I kind of was, I booked something that was a little bit beyond what I was. And, and so I had all the same fears all over again as if I'd not learned anything. And again, it was wonderful, you know, and, and again, to to feel that it's possible. And then I think, I guess, recently, Andre and I, after about five years of being in Medicine Boy, decided to stop with the band because we had been partners when we started the project and then two years into the project we decided that we split up but we still had a band and it was an incredible time but I think after five years of it felt we needed to change and we needed to shift and we played our last show at Endless Days which is a festival that Andrea helps put together and we had a really big band with us we had a tiny orchestra. It was really friends and musicians that we had played with throughout the years. And then some of my friends who I was in a new band with in the Netherlands were also there. And it was a sort of semicircle of incredible people and musicians. And knowing that this was the end and doing this thing with Andre and, and really 
giving a lot to it. And also this beautiful family that's built up around the festival and the music scene. Uh, there was, again, like this moment of magic where I think we, ever, we and uh, the people around us understood how big and how special the moment was. And again, it sort of belonged to everybody, you know, and to share it like that and to just give in and to, and to do it with so much love, which is only possible if everyone's doing that, you know. And I was so I, extremely present and grateful in all of those tiny moments on stage. And also, again, to see that change and in this, in this way, this change is the end of something is possible and good. Yeah, and then through music, you know, you cause, because there's something about the what you can put into that moment. I mean, we can talk about stuff, but it's cerebral and it's, but then somehow you've got the space and all of this energy and sound and yeah, that, that then suddenly belongs to everybody. So what's so exciting about hearing you talk is how much of yourself you throw into each of those moments. And I feel magic responds to your intentions. And you are so intentional that it is not surprising that there is magic that follows you. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, again, because it's something that's not so conscious in a way. You know, of course it is. I wouldn't know how to do it otherwise. It's how you do everything, Lou. It's interesting and it's scary sometimes to feel, I guess about maybe even six years ago now, I was having a really hard time and just feeling really low and really quite stagnant and the thing that really struck me and scared me was that I felt I'm not going to be able to write songs if I'm not growing as a person. I was more concerned about my development as a person, I mean obviously outside of songwriting but also as, a, as, a, as an artist than I was about developing my craft because there was this realization that if I've got nothing to offer as a, if I don't have stuff here then there's nothing, it's not going to come, like it's not going to happen in this way, like I can play as well as I like but I, people of course have different methods so i'm not interested in those people who have different methods <laughs> i think it's the heart method that matters so i would like to be like you when i grow up if that's all right with you <laughs> gosh tori i mean i don't think there's anyone i know who is as present in the music as you are i think you've got that covered thank you for saying that i don't feel like that all the time okay what drives you to create? What inspires you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's what I was saying earlier. It's the will and want to express something that isn't otherwise possible. The mess of things and the in-between things that, you know, I think everything in the world, which feels all sorts of things, can be made beautiful and valuable through expression and through music. I was thinking about this a bit yesterday, how I can also remember points in my life where I guess I realized more consciously that a lot of difficult feelings provoked meaningful music. And I went through this phase of thinking, ah, what if I actually get happy at some point? And then what am I going to, what am I going to do? You know, and almost, I don't, I mean, I don't think that way anymore. And I'm also, um, I'm pretty clear that I'm never going to suffer from never having bouts of melancholy. So <laughs> I'm not in danger of that. But aside from that, I don't glamorize that. But my point is that imagine loving something so much you feel that you almost wish to remain hopeless, you know, for the sake of keeping it. Mm -hmm. Like that's true love, you know. It's interesting that you mentioned that. It's one of those limiting beliefs, I believe, that we have yeah. hold as artists. The same one that we have of starving artists, that archetype that is holding us back. Yeah, for sure. It's about depth, I guess. So there's always an ability to engage with depth, which does often come with difficulty. Mm. But it doesn't mean 
a kind of hopelessness or a irreversible sadness. It's just being able to really engage with something fully, I think, or honestly or presently. And I think sometimes when you have difficult feelings, you're forced into that much more. There's no way around it, you know. Of course, you're there. It takes you there. So that's the only thing you can look at. That's a nice way to put it. The depth of it is always the, you know, it's just sometimes that it requires in moments, perhaps where it doesn't come, obviously requires a little bit more conscious effort on your part, I guess, or something, you know. Mm. Yeah. But you're happy now, at the moment. You look happy. <laughs> I am happy. <laughs> and you're writing a fair amount, it sounds. Yes, I know. Yeah, I guess I am always writing. I have, I feel I'm trying to find different ways to write, but at the moment I'm a little bit, it's funny now, I'm just realizing sometimes I think I have a, and maybe I've tried to, to deviate from that a bit this year. I think something that can happen is if you talk too much about what you're doing. A friend told me this once, that when you, you know, for when you do something that you've moves you or that you wanted to do or that excites you or inspires you, you get this sort of feeling of this and you get some of that feeling from just speaking about doing the thing. And it can sometimes make actually doing the thing quite daunting. Because of course you start to do it and it doesn't have that same immediate warming effect. And so oh, I guess I am writing and I, I'm 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 trying to push myself a little bit in terms of finding some new ways to do it. So along those lines now, what is your songwriting process? Do you have a, a way that you write or is it different every time? No, I mean, I think I, I do have different ways, but mostly I sit with an instrument and sort of play around and, or just voice, but something has to sort of spill out a nugget of something that I can feel to be honest and worth exploring. And then I can sort of move around that. Mm. it's the same thing it's what you know being present enough for magic to happen i guess you can feel in moments where you can let go a little bit or try and be a bit more present but i don't think for me that doesn't come through like okay i'm gonna channel and present it's just playing and then at some point it's the same way in, in a conversation with a friend you can talk for, uh, for a long time and but then one day for some reason at some moment it feels like ah, oh, i think i just said something that i that really felt new or, or, or I want to hold on to it or it matters or similar with songwriting. I think you play around and for whatever reason something catches or something has something that you want to sort of go into a bit further. And then from there, does it all flow at the same time, the music, the words? Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. In, in some ways, it's shifted a little in that it, this still happens sometimes where a song just comes in, in a sitting but it does feel to me like a, it takes a bit longer now. I just actually finished making a record. And when I was writing for this particular record, I wanted to shape the songs so that I could play them on the guitar by myself. And I would be presenting the whole story mm. in that way to not be dependent on other musicians or other parts or that the story was full in its lyrical content and in its rhythmic content and its arrangement and everything. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I needed to do that, you know, somehow for myself. And that took a bit longer. And that was really good. And I guess now I'm trying to do that, but in a slightly different way. I think now I would like to try and finish the story, shape it a bit more with instruments and musically, because I'm not very good at that. I rely a lot on melody and lyrical composition. Mm. And I'd like to be brave enough to to not depend so much on the band to fill up the rest and to explore it for myself a little. Now that's scary for me. 
It is. And it's limiting if you don't know anything about <laughs> how to do it or these instruments, you know. But the only way to be okay with something is to be really bad at it first, you know. It's just going to be bad at it for a long time. But I'm saying this again, and I just said I don't want to speak about stuff without doing it. It's taking me, it's such tiny baby steps. It is very daunting for me too, and I don't know how long it's going to last, but... I mean, it's proper brave to do something that you're not good at. It doesn't feel nice. No, no. Especially because, you know, if you've been working with people that are so good, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes you value those around you who are doing these things so effortlessly. What I love is when you start something that, I mean, you take a guitar piece that you're learning a tab for a particularly hard track and you start and you're like... I can't do this. This makes yeah, absolutely yeah. no sense to me. And within a few days of jamming with it, you're like, wow, who was that person who a few days ago could not touch this? It's miraculous. And every time we do that, you know, you think, ah, oh, no, oh. yeah, we're so strange. I do wish for more consistency. I mean, it's interesting. There's a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And he speaks of having your one thing is the thing that makes everything else easier or unnecessary. And then mm -hmm. he talks about making a time block, a four hour time block in your day. Okay. So in some people's days, there is not four hours defined, but sure. creating some kind of a time block, whatever works for you and letting nothing interfere with that time and using that time for mastery. And if you mm -hmm. do that, Five days a week, 50 weeks of the year, take your two weeks of break, holiday break. But if you do that, that is where mastery happens. Yeah. As you say, mm, consistency. I know. <sighs> I know, I know, I know. Dreams. Completely. I'm, it's, so, it's so obvious. I know. So why, what is the resistance? See, I've been exploring some self-sabotage myself. So I think that might be some of it. No, absolutely. That's interesting. I'm, I'm on a mission. I, my plan is to try that, that one thing. I'm finishing reading the book. I think it's a wonderful idea. I guess in, in my own way, that's what I've been trying to explore this year. And, and it's interesting because in a way, there really were very few excuses because there was so much time and it still remains very challenging. But I think sometimes the work is much more complex than... As you say, you know, you're exploring patterns about why, what's stopping you from doing that. And that work is much more complex than the four hours of sitting, practicing or something, you know. Yeah. And it's been a year of extenuating circumstances, which I will get to just now, mm. which I think makes it, it's somehow harder when you think you have all this time, suddenly you're in lockdown, you should mm. be creating, mm. but it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. But let's move on to collaborations. I mean, the moments in my life where I have felt magic at its most potent and exciting have been on stages with other musicians, most notably you. There was that one show in PE and it was you and me and Dave Knowles and we were singing Be Brave. And there's that photograph of the three of us on stage singing that and like I felt the earth move in that moment of singing and I mean that's just collaborating it wasn't even a songwriting collaboration but those are the most exciting 
things for me. And I, I don't collaborate myself often because I don't think I'm good enough to. So I'm always afraid when I approach it. So that's my responsibility to get better yeah. so that I am not so afraid because it's where I feel my most joyful. Yeah. But I want to know about you and collaborations because I know you work with a lot of musicians and when you come on stage with another musician, you, you very quickly are able to collaborate. Oh, it's so interesting because I, I don't see myself being able to do it very easily at all, but I think I would also love to be better. And I think it is what you say. It's about developing a confidence that you feel like you can. But I do think that somehow there is something to be said for if you can have what you have in terms of the deep level of sensitivity with enough confidence to meet another person, I think the results would be magic because there is a sensitivity and a presence. It's so incredibly important and the point in many ways, like so many things, again, you know, just as in life you develop a sense of self so you are a sense of self in the world but then you're a self in society and that's what also where the magic happens you know you share these things you found and it allows you to see things in a new way and then you share those elsewhere and it's, it's coming to life things and that's very again and like in music it's just such a clear thing now thinking about it i mean i'm extremely lucky to have i mean bandmates are essentially collaborators and i've had such i've been so incredibly lucky to have bandmates who we're really collaborators. And I guess that's also, you know, say with me and Andre, because we're both songwriters and we wrote together, that's a very intense and intimate way of collaborating. I guess the first time I, I ever started playing was with Bryony, my sister-in-law. Oh, and it was the best thing in the world. It's still maybe my, just some such pure, pure memories, whatever that means. I don't really like that word, but I remember we used to sit for ages and work out songs, work out her songs, work out my songs, work out covers, and I could just do that for hours and hours and hours. And then when I went to university, my girlfriend, Madeleine, who's a wonderful musician, my girlfriend at the time and I used to also play together. And actually now I'm just thinking about interesting in my history, I guess my collaborators have been, you know, because then we did a lot of stuff together, and those are also some of my favorite memories. So so much trust and so much you know when I was singing with you to stand there with you and to offer something but less in the way of something musical and more in the way of yeah I guess I hope I'm scared to sound so esoteric but presence and support you know it's one of my favorite things and I had also with Andre one of my favorite things is to be on a stage and to really look actually the act of looking at somebody mm. who you love doing this thing and you're, you're offering such a focus and support you know and it's yeah. so cool to be able to do that just got this this lightness and this gravity and to be able to somehow support it is wonderful i mean definitely i have felt safer on stages with you than i feel alone one of the best feelings of you know is is to do that and then also to have that other way you know as i was saying with this last boys show for example or the medicine boys show to feel well there's these people around you who are helping you say the thing you want to say, or they're, they're bringing life to your feeling. I mean, that's insane, you know? Oh, yeah, it's so beautiful in their own way, you know, it, through, I guess, the kind of collaborations that I've done or, you know, I've never really, it's never like, oh, here's the sheet music and you learn the part and you, it's very personal. It's very, people contribute in the way that is them, you know? I just think it's sometimes, it's a lot of it is about, new ways of conversing and playing that have just become more challenging and words are so frustrating and so limiting and 
our culture is so isolated and cold sometimes and there's this chance to yeah converse and be together in this way and share in this way that's just much more freeing so yeah i have had a i guess a lot of my friends are musicians as well and this is beautiful way of spending time together it's sometimes just as simple as that as well oh it's wonderful and then that connection it's like it's like no other yeah that it, that is allowed outside of a couple yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah interesting do you have tips for other musicians on how to be a better collaborator oh there's so many ways to do it i think the thing is to and i don't think i'm very if ever i'm saying that somebody should try this it's because i'm talking to myself not because i think that i have any idea but to really listen and i think to to really say yes to suggestions so that everybody f- i think i think one has to feel safe in that space mm. and that means different things but i think i've had sometimes had a hard time with collaborators where i felt as if my ideas were being guided or shifted too quickly and then i didn't really feel safe in offering and you kind of learn this in drama as well or just to say yes i think but there's so many ways to do it of course i guess maybe the biggest thing is to try and let go of fear a fear of failure and fear of foolery and i think i do this thing which is very annoying in in, in being quite self-deprecating and being like ah, i don't really know and i'm not sure if this sounds good and i uh, like just do it you know yeah. just do it badly and then like nothing can come from nothing yeah you have to play a little in order to see what's possible I'm saying this. Just yesterday, I was in the studio with Liu. We were working on things, and I was doing exactly the opposite. So yes. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So now, being in Berlin, you guys are in the middle of another lockdown, mm. which brings me to the whole 2020 COVID story. What are some of the challenges that you think musicians today are facing? I suppose. Okay, maybe after the year we've had, but. Even before that, actually. There were so many challenges before this for me. I, I'm not sure how to do it. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured it out at all. It's been extremely difficult to try and make it work and make it sustainable. Yeah. And I've shaped my life in such a way that I have extremely little responsibility. I haven't taken on any commitments about this music thing, and I'm still not sure how to work and how to make it work. And I'm not a very good businesswoman, so I'm sure that's a large part of it. I'm very naive, but these questions are difficult for me because I've seen so many people in so many different kinds of situations and I don't feel very positive about it, but I'm still doing it. I don't want to be cynical and I don't really have solutions. Yeah. So it's hard for me to talk about because I I don't I don't want to be a negative person, but I I don't yeah, as I say I don't necessarily have very helpful solutions or even ideas for them. I mean, I guess I've been so confused about it for a long time. And then, you know, moving to Berlin was a sort of venture in trying to see what would happen if we were here and if it was more possible. And it's been extremely challenging here Mm -hmm. still. And I've been trying to figure out how it does work and can work here. And I'm in a lot of ways, if I'm honest, moving was so sort of confusing and uh, massive that for at least a year, I, I wasn't even really still enough or to to think clearly about how it was possible. And now there's this, and I mean, when I say this, I mean Corona, and it's obviously just shifted everything entirely, um, something that was already shifting, yeah. constantly shifting. 
And it's such a strange thing because I've never been very good at looking into the future. In some ways, I think if I was, I probably wouldn't still be making music. And it feels naive to not, but it's all completely speculative anyway. So there's this strange thing, you know, I'm booking some shows for next year, but it also feels a bit absurd. And I don't know, it's such a strange time. It's also naive to think that that it's going to just go back to what it was. It won't. And I think the implications and the the impact it's going to have, that that's already clear in small and, ov- and big and obvious ways, like all the venues shutting down and a lot of people having to find alternative work in the industry. And that's kind of the beginning. And I also don't want to be... I just don't really know and I'm not being, I think in a lot of ways I feel like I'm not being as thoughtful about it as I can or should. But as you say, you can't predict the future. No, but on the other hand, we're all creating it. Yeah. I often think about the way that, you know, even just within this with this virus, you know, you're sitting here thinking, well, when this shifts, we're kind of waiting for those who have the skill set to be able to find a, a vaccine or do this kind of othering the responsibility somehow, you know? Yeah. But I haven't been bold enough to come be part of the solution somehow, you know? Yeah. I I mean, amongst it all, this whole COVID crazy, and it's, I mean, it's been a really hard time for a lot of people. But have you felt shifted in this time? Have you moved to a new place? Have you, is there a silver lining somewhere there? I think that all of us have been maybe, maybe I can't speak for everyone, but there's a sort of, at the same time, an overstimulation and an understimulation. There's been an opportunity to be understimulated for the right reasons. Basically, an opportunity to be bored and to sit with it in a positive way, which is very challenging in the face of global anxiety. I mean, there's definitely been a shift. Of course, there always is. And this has been such a specific kind of experience and feeling. Um, and it's hard. To, I feel so in the midst of it that it's hard to know what that is. And so strange to share the experience with everyone. Yeah. Um, of course, it's been completely different for everyone, but the, there is this clear overlap that I don't know if there's been such a thing before. I think it's hard to know without hindsight some yeah. of the positive and negative changes that it's had personally. I mean, there's been a lot of thoughts about ideas of home and just what you want to be and do with, you know, be who you want to be in the world and how you want to be in the world. I think I think about that quite a lot anyway, but this has been a new way in, I guess. Mm. That slowing down that you speak of is something I think that is not highly prized in our culture. We're so busy being busy because it is important to be busy and it is, and being busy makes you important. And I think that we do, 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 and it's such a, a masculine energy of doing that we often forget to take a step back and stop. Mm-hmm. and allow and there's got to be a balance and i think part of where we have been going wrong as a a society is that we do not have that balance right and i i think that this year has revealed to a lot of people in, in a forced uh, slowdown that it's necessary i certainly have am relooking at the way i've been running my life and I'm making some changes because mm. it wasn't working. It hasn't been working. Mm. And it's, it's partly that. It's partly that. And, yeah. so, and so I suppose hopefully amongst all the hard, it has revealed the important as well. I think I've heard from a few people who live their life quite differently. I mean, I guess in a way I've moving to Berlin has, 
I had already felt a little bit of isolation and time and space. Maybe mm-hmm. it was, I think, slightly less, that part of it was slightly less of a shock to me than I know that it has been for some people who move constantly. Yeah. I think it's been really quite shocking for some people in what seems to be often a positive way, but again, not to glamorize these things. I think it's been just terrible for some people, of course. Yeah. I mean, this is a really hard question, but what do you predict for the future of live music after this year? Uh, I really don't know because I don't know. It's so hard to try and integrate all of this knowledge that I have. You know, I have so little knowledge around so many of these massive important things that are at play here in terms of disease and politics and climate and economics. And this is these enormous, very complex things that are all interacting and I barely know anything about any of them. So I really don't know. And I would be lying if I tried to predict. So so this year you did, on your birthday, a home show online. Yeah. It was immaculate to behold. I, I loved your performance and I loved your interactions. And um, I felt like I was there. How did you find that? And would you do more of that sort of stuff? I'd like to say yes, but I, it was so scary for me. Mm. I felt far more vulnerable than I usually do at a show, which was really quite something. <laughs> I really wanted to try and make it that I was there. Mm. I can't, it's strange why it felt so scary. And at the time I was thinking a lot about, it was really then at that moment in those months, thinking about why that was and what it means to do a live show. And then then what it is that you're really offering, because of course there's different reasons for doing a show and coming to a show and, and then I thought, wow, actually, is the whole point of the show, these small moments in between where you're speaking and actually there's some real honesty or connection or, I don't know, it made me think about things very differently, but it didn't leave me decided around how I would, my thoughts around live streaming. And I think I would, and I would like to, but it's the same thing with you talking about confidence and collaborating. I would need to feel... I don't know when that's going to be, but I only played a couple of shows this year and they felt quite scary. I'm not feeling necessarily able to be really present. And I think when you see people doing that and they are really there with you and they're sharing, I think it's really moving. I don't Mm. love to see people when I'm watching a live stream, if if it doesn't have that, almost as if you have to have more more of that than you even do at a show because at a show you are there with a person and you can feel that. Mm. But try and be that over a screen. Is an extra challenge, and I do think it's beautiful when people do it. How was it for you? Scary. Mm. Yeah, and not the same thing. Yeah, no, for sure. No, yeah. not at all. And there's a lot of that, that energy exchange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I missed that. So it, it was not first prize. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't suppose 2020 is much about first prizes. <laughs> it's really not, no. What does making music look like for you right now? Well, the last, yesterday, so I'm busy working on a a new record, Mm. which, like I said, I'm trying to focus a little bit more on instrumentation and sound than just on the song. Mm. And so mostly it looks like me (laughs) trying to awkwardly hold a plectrum and um, (laughs) do something over and over and then be super unclear if it's of any value yeah uh, but right now like yesterday Liu's playing guitar with me my partner she's here from Amsterdam and yesterday we were in the studio and I guess we spent most of the day working on one song yeah it's been quite challenging for me 
trying this new way, trying to trust from a slightly different angle whether mm. the song was worth something or not. I feel quite amateurish, but I'm trying to just stay in it. You've launched a, pat- how do you even say that word, Patreon? I Patron. think so, yeah. Patron. Patreon, I think. But- that sounds right to me. I was corrected the other day, but now I can't remember what somebody else said. Okay. But I think Patreon sounds good to me too. <laughs> um, so you've launched that and you've been releasing these beautiful, beautiful tracks. How's it going? It's been really lovely, actually. I, I wanted to do it for a while around my birthday and then things got really bad with Corona and there were so many people and still are who needed money and I didn't feel good about asking. And then so it only took me, I took quite a long time, only many months after that, did I, I decided to do it and, and I had to think a, bit, a lot about it. But I guess at the end of it, you're saying, here's an invitation. I'm doing this thing. If you can and would like to, you can say yes. I have to try and always understand with all these things. It's an invitation. You need to trust that people will decide for themselves whether they want to join. And I, I'm still figuring out a little bit what it is for me and for those on it. At the moment, I've, I've just been every Sunday, I share a song. Yeah. And it's really cool in the sense of slightly less pressure and um, that chance to just be a bit playful. And well, less pressure in the sense that I know there's people that are there, they want to be there. And because I'm sharing every Sunday, there's also a sort of, you know, sometimes with making a record, there's so much build up around it and it's got to be used, taking so much time with it. So there's this expectation for it to be. But these are sort of experiments. And, and actually, a good example, I think, is that Liu has been here since last week and been working on the new record and it takes it's taking us quite long to get somewhere with a song but then on Sunday I said let's make a song for the, my Patreon page mm-hmm. and then we did it you know in this one day so how, how can it be that and it's just the framework that allows for that mm. so I'm really grateful for that sort of exercise and also just doing wonderful well the results are very beautiful I mean you should think about it softly considered yeah, but one step at a time. I mean, you are just starting a podcast, so which is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come on it. But I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of last questions, some light and easy questions. A song that you wish you had written. This is going to be a ridiculous thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, I kind of just wish that I wrote all of Aldous Harding's songs. I kind of just wish I was Aldous Harding. <laughs> I just i am so in awe of the way she seems to be, for me, this, how do I say it? There's such finely crafted things, but so specific and personal. Mm-hmm. And they seem to just, they flow they kind of kick so easily, and but there's so much complexity in them. And she manages to be extremely, it's like an intense emotion, but never sentimental. And extremely personal, but really universal as well. This could be my song, you know. Mm-hmm. It could be written for me is what I mean. It's like it's also really playful, but extremely serious somehow. And yeah, also this kind of, again, like this sort of depth, but still not without irony, you know. Mm. There's a sort of acknowledgement of the playfulness and the performance of it. It's it's so interesting to watch somebody acknowledge the sort of dishonesty of it, of it in the sense of the performative nature of it. Yeah. But then still with so much integrity and sincerity and... I don't know how she does it, but it's fucking amazing. Wonderful. Do you have a wish list collaboration? No, I mean, I don't think my clear heroes, the ones that I, you know, that I dream about, I don't think I would be any good. It's, I'd be such a mess. 
I, I would just love to keep collaborating with the people that I love and and growing those relationships and musically and otherwise. Maybe it's more about, as you were saying earlier, I guess I'd like to get to a point where I feel grounded enough in myself and solid enough in myself that I can just perhaps do it in a more relaxed way. Yeah, I, it's something I, I would also love to do more of. So now, in light of everything that we've spoken about, from the magic to the challenges, what advice would you give to young independent artists who are trying to do it for themselves? I mean, I think just to really to play and to play and to play and to play, which obviously means a lot of things, but to take it very seriously, but to be very playful. I guess something that I think about a lot is the the sort of relationship between how much relies on creativity and this sort of flair of magic and then uh, just consistency in work, you know. If I were to say how I'm trying to do it and I'm not getting it right at all, and if I were to do it again, would be to just be consistent in terms of engaging with myself, the world, and my craft. Mm -hmm. And that means that you don't just kind of wait for inspiration to write, but you are just more consistent with the way that you engage. But of course, it's different for everyone. Just keep doing it, I guess. And and I think a lot of it's just about consistency and presence. I think it's extremely important to develop your own voice, and that just that is just through experimenting and being curious and sitting down with your instrument, with your words. And then something that I really wish that I had done and that I wish I was still doing and I'm still trying to do, to develop your craft with your instrument, with whatever it is, because if you can sort of marry those two, you know, yeah, your voice and your craft, that's sort of what you want. And of course, they maybe matter at different points more, but it's something that I, I really am very frustrated often by my lack of skill. And I wish sometimes that I hadn't just jumped to the feel-good stuff that, you know, I want to write a song and so I can play it and it feels good. But, like, I could have, like, done a bit more of the hard work with knowing how to play a fucking scale or something, you know. That is so familiar. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice to hear you say that. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's not too late, you know. It's just, I don't know why it feels, it feels challenging to... But yeah, I guess that's advice for us. It, it is. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go home and practice my scales. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you're up to? Social media links. Yeah, I mean, just the normal. I'm, I think I'm Lucy Kruger on Instagram and Facebook and Bandcamp and Spotify and all those things. Well, Lucy Kruger and the Lost Boys. Wonderful. And I will put links in the show notes to where people can find you. And we're going to play out with one of your tracks now, now which is super exciting. I, I, li I listened to it before. Oh, it did all the right things. It made, it made, made all the cells move. Mm, happy song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lee, thank you so much for coming on. This has been, this has been really important. Mm, thank you for having me. It was really wonderful to speak to you. If you are an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at ShotgunTori. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.
Sundays that have.